Hey friends, welcome to Moments to Ponder. This is a podcast designed to help you spend a few moments with God and take away something to ponder. I'm Betsy Marvin, and I'm grateful for these few moments we have together to ponder the book of Esther. This is episode 73. As we begin chapter 5, let's recap a minute where we are in our story. Esther, a simple, beautiful Jewish girl, has been chosen to become the queen of Persia. She is the adopted daughter of Mordecai, who serves at the king's gate. At this point of the story, Esther has been queen about five years, and she is well aware of the customs and laws of the court. Xerxes is the king of Persia, and Haman is his right-hand man. Haman, due to his overall hatred of Jews and Mordecai's lack of respect, has convinced Xerxes to decree that on a specific day, there will be a genocide of all the Jews in Persia, and unknowingly, this includes the Jewish queen. Mordecai informs his daughter that as queen, God may have placed her in this role for such a time as this, to speak for and save her people. In order to speak for her people, Esther needs to go before the king. But without being summoned, she runs a risk of being denied, which would mean her death. Faced with this potential outcome, the queen and the Jews of Susa fast for three days in preparation for her moment before the king. This leads us to chapter 5. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. The king welcomes her. Take a moment and ponder this. All the fasting, the prayer, preparation and royal robes, and that deep breath as she takes that first step into the inner court. She has placed her trust fully in God for her future at this point. The fate of Vashti, the former queen, had to have been in her mind, knowing that even though she's queen, she is not secure in this position. In my mind, The room gradually becomes quiet as officials, one by one, turn to see what has caught the king's attention, and they discover their queen has entered the room. Did they bow? Did their eyes widen in surprise? The slap of her sandals on marble would have sounded so loud as she approached. Eyes on her husband as he stands to welcome her, extending his scepter without hesitation. A warm smile on his lips and a question in his eyes. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, If it please the king, Let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turns to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to the banquet, as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Now tell me, 
What do you really want? What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. Esther 5, 1-8 I've always wondered why Esther didn't just tell the king at the first banquet about the decree, but instead she invites the king and Haman to a second banquet. I mean, did she lose her nerve, her courage? Was it just the wrong timing? In my research, I discovered that it was actually a Near Eastern custom when presenting a request to ask for a small favor, one concession at a time, to build to the real issue at hand. By inviting the men to a second banquet, she was letting the king know the importance of her request. Remember, they have no idea she's a Jew. So I'm sure they were curious to know what this was all about. When my husband and I mentor young couples, we speak about the importance of timing when dealing with hard requests or conflict. We don't teach three days of fasting or two banquets, but we do ask them to be aware of timing and history. Is the other person tired, hangry, distracted? Do you want to speak or do you want to be heard? How did your family deal with conflict? This all plays into how well the conversation will go. Esther is walking in her culture of the time, knowing that she wants the men to be well-fed and relaxed, open to hearing her request. So she's patient. Not a bad recipe for dealing with hard requests, but I am so, so grateful when it comes to speaking with the king of the universe that I can come at any time with all my emotions and questions, needs, desires, anything. In our last episode, we looked at the spiritual practice of fasting. Today's verses bring to mind the spiritual practice of going to God in prayer. Here's what I mean. Esther comes before her king with a bit of fear and insecurity, a strategy, and a need. We can come before our king without fear fully secure, with no plan, and with every need we have. Prayer is simply communication with God. It's a conversation, and we don't have to butter him up or wait until a more opportune time or worry if he'll receive us or not. He tells us that he is always available because he loves us. In speaking to King Solomon, God said, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. These promises of God in these verses still stand. God hears every prayer. He forgives, he restores, and there are many ways to engage in the humble seeking of God's face. Written words or spoken words, silence or stillness, through scripture, art, and more. It is a way of connecting with God that allows you to share, listen, 
abide and ask that's both personal and communal. In Philippians 4, Paul reminds us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. These verses are not saying that we'll receive a yes to every request we make. But they tell us that when we give Him our worry and share with Him the burdens of our hearts, He extends His peace. And it's a peace we can't explain. He guards our hearts and our minds as He takes control and bears the burden. It's the trust that brings peace, not the answer. Did Esther feel any of this peace as she stepped into that inner court? I'm not sure, but I can tell you that I have. In seasons when I feel worry creeping in, when I have needs or I'm hurting, I tell God what I need and I share the burden. I release the hurt to Him. And what I have found to be the key within the spiritual practice of prayer are these words. Thank Him for all He has done. In these verses from Philippians is the key. It's in the gratitude that we keep our eyes on Him and off the worry. It's in the prayer that we surrender control and the peace comes. In the Jewish temple, there was an inner sanctuary called the Holy of Holies where God's presence would appear. This room was curtained off and no one was allowed to enter except the high priest. And even he could only enter once a year on Yom Kippur to offer the blood sacrifice and incense. It was a holy place to bring requests before God. And in case the priest was struck down by God, a rope was tied around him in order to pull him out in case... They needed to. Going into the presence of the king is a serious undertaking. It was a needed ceremony in order to bring the people before God. Yet the priest might pay a high price if he wasn't prepared to come before the king himself. When Jesus died on the cross, the Gospels tell us that the curtain that stood at the entrance of the Holy of Holies in the temple ripped from top to bottom thus opening the Holy of Holies to all. God was saying, You are all welcome now. Come into my presence. In Hebrews 4.16 it says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Boldly. What a great image of prayer. We can come to God with confidence because we will find mercy and grace. No fear or shame. There is no condemnation. So here's my question for today. Are you seeking peace? Do you struggle with worry? When was the last time you thought about what you were grateful for? How's your prayer life? Oh, dear one, may you approach God's throne boldly, confident in knowing that He will receive you with mercy and grace no matter what you bring. 
You may not receive the answer you desire, but you will receive the answer you need and a peace beyond understanding. In our last episode, I closed with Jeremiah 29 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. For today, we will close with Jeremiah 29 12 and 13, which say this. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. May you know that the King of the universe who made you listens to every petition, every request. May he guard your heart and mind as you live in him. May you know that you are always welcome in his throne room. So look for him wholeheartedly and find him. Amen.